Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast Investorpreneurs, where investors meet entrepreneur. Here we talk about everything investing real estate, and today I have a special guest from the UK, John Stoko from Source My Property, which works with international investors all over the world on turnkey properties in the UK. My name is Peter Leung, and I'm a global real estate investor. I own, develop, and build commercial properties all around the world. You have seen me on videos or on stage working with serial entrepreneurs and investors. I'm also a private equity business and angel investor as well. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook and I am Peter Leung. It is also on Facebook and, uh, and IG where I share ideas, videos, and inspirations as I journey to intergenerational wealth. If you have any questions, email us at podcast.iampeterleung.com. And for those who have been sending us deals, at deals at iampeterleon.com. Thank you very much. We've been aggressively getting back to you about all the deals that you're sending through, and hopefully we can find the opportunity to work together. So without further ado, I have a very good friend, John Stoko from Source My Property here with me that is gonna share with us some of the secrets, ideas, and how to build a property turnkey for international investors as well. So John, welcome to the show. Hi, Peter. And uh, yeah, really excited to be here and really looking forward to sharing my journey and knowledge and uh, with all of your listeners. Fantastic. And you have had a great journey of you. The things that you've been doing in the UK is amazing. So you built a company that is renowned in the industry, certainly in the UK and glowing global. So, I mean, I hear about you working with investors all over the world. So can you first tell us a little bit about how sourcing works and how is it different from a real estate broker or an agent? And what do you guys do different? Okay. Um, by definition, um, I've actually got Google up here because I like this definition. Uh, and I'll give you the definition and then I'll give you my version of that. So property sourcing is the activity by which property deals are negotiated and packaged by a property sourcer, myself or my business, and then sold on to a property investor. I pretty much look at it uh, as I sit in the middle between the deal or the property and the investor, uh, either of which may not be able to get in touch with each other if it wasn't for myself. So where there's an opportunity with a, with a property, we find uh, the relevant buyer or investor that is looking for that specific strategy, niche, price point, and we put them two together. Uh, generically for the, the, the property investors, most of them, most uh, are either international and don't have the location to be able to uh, do the viewings with that, or they don't have the time and they want somebody else to help them potentially grow their portfolio. So our job pretty much is, as a property sourcer, we are the eyes and ears on behalf of the investor with the investor's uh, perspective to go and find them an appropriate investment vehicle or property to which we would then find, we would do all the due diligence, we'd run all the numbers, we'd do everything on their behalf to then present it to an investor. And obviously they'll do their level of due diligence, pretty much has a ready-made property deal on their lap, which they can then either move on with or, or not. But it, it cuts out all the time, all the hassle, we're presenting everything for them to be able to move forward. Well, that sounds like a dream, right? For an investor, that is that is the dream deal because we don't we want the income, we want to be invested, we want to be able to deploy our capital to earn passive income, 
but we don't necessarily understand the market or the work or the amount of associations with, you know, councils or even, you know, builders and so on and so forth. So you're, you basically, you, you basically save us a lot of time then. Absolutely. It's, it's all about the time. And if you look at, you know, people that are in a position to be investing into property, whether it be a UK or globally, you know, anybody in a position to be buying a second property is, let's, let's face it, is financially secure enough and pretty much secured by potentially a full-time job. You know, whether they be a professional in whatever industry they are, they may be focused and that might be their primary objective. It might be a secondary strategy or an income generating strategy for them to grow a portfolio. So like all things, if I, if I want my, my teeth looked at, I don't go to my podiatrist, you know, I go to the dentist. So if you want a property portfolio built, go to a professional property sourcer who can work with you, understand your needs and help you build because that is their, that is their, their role is to find you exactly what, what, what they need, put it in front of you so you can then pretty much just buy it. Okay, so let's address the elephant in the room, John. How do you guys get paid then? Like, you know, do you, is it charge of the service? Is it charge on the property? How does, it, how does it work? Because everybody wants that service, but we all as investors want to save as much money as possible as well. So how, how does it work? Okay, so we, uh, we have a graduating scale of fees. There are different ways that it is paid for internationally and in different markets. Uh, everywhere from a flat rate fee right up to a percentage of the value of the property fee, depending on what industry you are in. Uh, the way that we work it uh, is we have a look at the net returns or the, or the ratio of returns that you're getting. And the more money you're making, pretty much, the higher the fee is that we will charge you. But very importantly, our fees are built into the numbers before I give you the returns. That's, that's something we'll talk about later. So... Uh, effectively, when you're looking at something as an investment, the, the net result, the net return on investment at the end after all costs is, is what you're going to base your decision on. So we factor our numbers in there. But to, to that, that old elephant, what do we charge for? Uh, we work primarily in the, uh, in the entry space of investment properties. So we call them baby buy-to-lets and baby flips, buy, fix, up and sell between 50 and 150,000 uh, pounds in South Wales in, in the UK, although we are expanding globally, that's, but that's a different story. So for our fees, for us to go and spend weeks viewing properties, sifting through all of them, doing all the due diligence, finding everything and presenting it to you, we are in the region of two and a half thousand pounds, including a VAT, up to five to 6,000 pounds, including VAT. Then that does get, uh, you will pay more when you start paying a percentage on a land fee. So if I find you a plot of land, generically, depending on the amount of work that goes in it, it's between 1% to 2% plus VAT. So, you know, on a million pound property, you're looking at 10,000 pounds plus VAT. However, a lot of people are going to look at that and go, wow, that's a lot of money. However, we've got to factor in and consider the time, the cost, and the value that we have actually provided. Quite often, a lot of these properties, you know, we're looking at, uh, call it £3,000, just as a guesstimate, on, on a property. Even on a £50,000 property, we could have potentially already secured that property for ten pounds or £15,000 below market value already. So we are already building you in value. The other thing that we have a look at is we have a look at the cost, what it's going to cost to refurbish that property. So we force value, we help you force value into the property. So creates another capital value uh, stack. We understand what that value is going to be at the end. 
uh, whether or not you're going to make a net profit if you had to sell it or what your profit or what your, your cash flow position is going to be net once you've refinanced and you're cash flowing or renting it out monthly. So all of the mathematics that sit behind that, we have, we have already done for you. Right. So, John, how much of this is for, you know, beginning investors, intermediate or even serial investors? Does this, does it matter? I mean, like how much information or how much knowledge do they have to have in order for them to work with a professional like your, your, you and your, your organization? Well, we like, we like to give them the amount of information that they deem necessary to be able to make a financial decision. So for it'll differ from people to people. We personally, uh, ethically, try and find out as much information that is within reason possible. Um, if you want to go and have a look on our website, sourcemyproperty.com, you can have a look on there. You can see in excess of 150-odd opportunities that have been sold out, unfortunately. More to come. But uh, you'll see um, that we do due diligence and we'll find out between at least three and sometimes up to 15 relevant properties to be able to substantiate what the, the, the uplo uh, uplifted value is going to be. We are not FCA regulated, so we cannot guarantee what that, 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 uh, that value is going to be. But we do all the work that you would do as an investor for you to be able to base that decision. So we'll find you properties in the same area that are bought and sold in the last few months that are in similar condition, similar size, that have been refurbished, some that aren't refurbished. So it gives you all that information. And my, my view on it is the more information you have, the less risk that you are impairing. Okay. Mm -hmm. so, so if you're just going into it blind, there's risk, but we give you all that information to de-risk it as much as possible. Okay. So how, you know, share with me this. I think this is very important because in this particular case, you become the eyes and ears, your team becomes the, you know, everything on the ground for me. So obviously yes. we value that as a service. And of course we know that in order for us to save time, we have to pay for that service. And I, I'm, I'm a big believer in saving time. The question yeah. then becomes, how do you find a good sourcer? I mean, I know you have a training program specifically training on sourcing agents. Uh, people who are in the industry, you know, teaching a, a level of professionalism and understanding a level of knowledge. That's very important because, you know, that is, that becomes a standard in the industry. So can you share a little bit about that? How do you ensure that a sourcing, or is there any, you know, tells what makes a good sourcer or what vice versa things to stay away from? Because that, this is very critical because you're trusting these people with their finances, you're trusting their knowledge, their wisdom, their, uh, their, their, their experience. So can you share that with us, how to vet sourcing agents for that matter? Yeah, uh, I think there's a couple of things that you might want to jot down. Um, the first thing, as, as I mentioned, I'll just get that out the way. We will present you with all the information as possible. What I do also want to say is that investors should be doing their own due diligence on every single one, irrespective of how long they've been working with a sourcing agent. You should be, you putting your lifeblood money into there. If you want to trust that, that, that sourcing agent 100%, that's great. But I do recommend, please, even if you're dealing with myself, Double check, double check our numbers all the time. So I just want to throw that caveat out there. Yes, absolutely. But uh, to be able to filter through and working with the right uh, in, uh, sourcing agent, something else I mentioned a little bit earlier was uh, that we build our fees into our, uh, our numbers. So you'll find some uh, sourcing agents out there will say, you're going to get X return or you're going to make X amount after you buy, fix up and sell it. 
and then they're charging three thousand pounds. So let's just say it's it's they're making net fifteen thousand pounds approximately on a, on a buy, fix up, and sell or a flip. And then they say, oh no, it's a four thousand pound source fee for that. Oh, so you're actually only making eleven. I think ethically that's that's wrong, and you should be building in all your fees and be extremely transparent on your fees as well. So that's there's a couple of fees I want to throw in there. Are they including their source fee? Are they also including realistically what your holding costs are? Okay, so if you're holding it, what is the cost of interest? What is your gas, electricity, uh, council tax bills over the period of time before that property is going to be monetized or not? Okay, a lot of people unfortunately don't include that. Um, and that, and that, you know, that goes without saying talking about stamp duty, you know, legal fees in and out, etc. So if a right. sourcing agent is being super transparent on all of those numbers, immediately it, it gives me a sense of confidence or comfortableness that they, they're not holding or hiding anything back. That's one of the first things. Um, well, the exit costs, let me see. Um, I think probably one of the most important bits, and I can talk, uh, I can talk about that now, is um, uh, being compliant, making sure that that sourcing agent is operating in a compliant and legal manner. So what I mean by that is we are regulated and insured in the industry, we're pretty much regulated as an estate agent. And there's an unfortunately high amount of sourcing agents, I'll say that with the old speech brackets, uh, who are not necessarily appropriately insured or regulated or registered with the correct industry bodies. So one of the first things that you want to check is, are they regulated by a, a property ombudsman, by a property regulator? So whether that be the property ombudsman, TPO, there's a couple of them in the UK. You want to ask them uh, when you're initially checking off, are they regulated? And they should be able to prove by a certificate that they actually are regulated and are down. So if there is a right of, rec if there is a right of recourse against them, if they're operating out of the boundaries of what they should be, you as a, an investor have a route to be able to go through and uh, from an ombudsman complaints procedure. Right. To be able to be registered um, or regulated by an ombudsman, you need to have necessary insurance. Now, fortunately, when you when uh, we were the TPO, the property ombudsman, when you registered with them, they will confirm your certificate of insurance for public indemnity, public liability insurance, so that if there is a claim, they can claim against your insurance. So you need to be um, regulated. And obviously, a dependency to be regulated is that you do have that necessary insurance to back up your business as well. Uh, you also need to be registered for data protection. Okay. Uh, and you can also confirm your registration numbers there. You need to be registered with uh, data protection as um, the ICO, Information Commissioner's Office. Uh, you're registered with HMRC as well. And that would be for money laundering supervision. Mm. Okay. Uh, so it's, it's, it's all the, and one of the reasons you have to be involved with that is it's very easy to launder a lot of money through this industry. And we have a care, a duty of care to ensure that we are checking what is happening with our clients' money as well. A lot of people just say, oh no, that's the solicitor's detail. No, no. We as an agent are acting on behalf of our clients. So we have a duty of care to confirm where those funds are coming from, that it's not coming from dubious circumstances. So when you're right. checking with a person, ask them, can I see your certificate, to, uh, uh, your uh, ombudsman registration, your insurance, your HMRC registration, and your ICR registration. If they got that, 
uh, I say you 99% of the way they're finding a good and trusted person because okay. uh, they've, got, they've got to the stage of, of taking it seriously. Okay, but John, how, what type of, qual I mean, aside from getting all these things, which is a matter of sometimes payment and, and registration of different sorts, what knowledge or experience do they have to have had, in your opinion, to be a good sourcing agent that you want to be dealing with? Um, I'll, speak, I'll speak for myself. I wouldn't source on a property that I wouldn't buy myself if I had unlimited funds. Okay, so, but to answer your question, I think what you want to do is try and understand from their perspective what to them looks like a suitable opportunity. But then also, I say that, but I'll push that back onto, onto the clients. Some clients have um, very easy requirements to be able to satisfy because they have a different risk profile to somebody else. So it's always about understanding what the client actually has, what the client really wants. And you need to spend some time having a discussion. Yes, we do offer the opportunity for an unknown person pretty much to secure a property investment off our site, but they can't buy it off our site. They would just pay a deposit. It is then up to us to link that buyer with that seller and make sure that we do perform some compliance tasks to make sure that they are above board so that that sale can actually transact. Okay. So in this particular case, I, I think you, you've opened this right up is why doesn't the sourcing agent buy the deal? I mean, if it's such a good deal, you know, that it comes off with a lot of investors. Like, you know, if it's such a good deal, why don't they do it themselves? What was the your take on that? Doesn't have just the money. Don't have, yeah. So I, I personally, because knowing what I know in the industry and selling what I sell, I want to buy what I sell. So I'm currently in, in the process of, uh, discussing institutionalized size of, of, of funding uh, from some family offices where we will potentially be securing a large chunk of that market. So mm -hmm. a sourcing agent, if they have the money, will buy their very will be securing their very best deals. So it's not saying that you're getting the rubbish, you're just getting what's left over after that sourcing agent doesn't have the money to do all of that. And it's very quick to, to, I mean, we've done 150 odd properties in the last couple of years. I just don't have the funds to do 150 odd properties. And that's as simple, that's as, as, as simple as it is. Fair point. Fair point. That's very important because a lot, you know, that comes off as a lot of investors. Well, why don't they? Well, because there's not infinite amount of money, right? We don't, we don't print it. The government does. No. Um, so here's the thing. So John, uh, because of the whole process working with the sourcing agent, you might involve refurbishment, you know, time that you do some renovation, you know, uh, maybe a little bit of a conversion, things of that different nature. And I know that you have a, a very specific niche of, of uh, property that you like to source on or that you provide yeah. as a service. But, you know, in terms of builders, how can you tell if a builder is credible? Because that always is a big risk uh, to an investor is, not only buying the property because you can physically touch it, feel it, you know, you can get, uh, you know, valuations done, et cetera. This, that mitigates some of that risk. And of course, with a sourcer being able to do a due diligence on top. So you have some of those risks generally factored in. But in terms of a builder, how do you reduce the risk on that? And how do you tell if a builder is generally credible? Because this is where a lot of people are very concerned, including myself. Absolutely correct. And even down to ourselves. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll be as polite as I can. Um, 
builders, I don't want to tar them all the same brush. There's some phenomenal builders out there, but there's also a lot of cowboy builders out there. So uh, I'll, I'll give you a couple of tips that I've just scribbled down uh, about what we do to filter through some builders, uh, what we have done, and these little tips that, you, that your listeners could potentially ask when they filtering through their builders. If you, yes, please. If you buy a deal through ourselves, our guys have already gone through this, although we're not project managing all of our deals, we can recommend a couple, when I say recommend, we can point you in the direction of a couple of builders who we have worked for, worked with before, that have gone through this loop. But if you're working or finding another sourcing agent globally, I think these are some tips that you could filter through um, Ideally, if, you, if you're working close to them or just use what you can, whether you're local or remote to them. So the, f the first point that we have is to meet on site, if possible. Again, depends. If you're in Hong Kong and the property's in Wales, different story. You can maybe get somebody else to filter that through you. A little bit but of a swim. Hey, yeah. <laughs> so, so the first one is you want to meet on site. Uh, looking a person in the eyes is, uh, I'd say, is six-tenths of the game, pretty much. Uh, I'll also check, did they arrive prepared with a, with a notepad and pen? Or are they just picking, picking up going, hello, mate, I'm just passing through. Are they, how serious are they taking? And it's just these little points that are going to filter through the bad boys to the good boys. If you arrive prepared with a notepad and pen, okay, on a site, on an actual build site that we're working on, you want to see how they react and what they're going to be pricing. Like that. Okay. The next one is, might sound silly, but I don't want to price on the day. I want you to go away and do your analysis and do your quantity surveying and work out the cost to come back with a real price. We've all seen it before, a guy walk in and go, oh, 25 grand. No, I don't want to be anywhere near that. Unless he can quantify, I did a house two doors down that was in exactly the same condition and the costs were that, boom, it's unlikely that that's going to be the case. So you want to give them the time to go away and in fact, give them the opportunity in terms of a day, maybe two, to come back with real numbers for you, okay? Uh, when, when they come back with that written quotation, I want a written quotation as well, not just a text message, oh, it'll be 25 grand. I want to see exactly what they are. I want to ensure so breakdowns, that- Breakdowns, including the breakdowns. Yeah, I want that to be, the, the, the schedule of works to be itemized, okay? It doesn't have to go super granular in terms of 7,300 bricks but I just want to know what it's going to be for each one of those, you know, kitchens, bathrooms, uh, you know, stud work, et cetera, da, da, da. you know, probably about 10 different bullets to give you a heading and you'll see whether or not they know what they're on about. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, you want them to send that quote without having to chase it. If I have to chase you, I don't want to deal with you. Okay. These guys might also be busy as well, which is also another telling point. If they, if they send you the quote straight away, they're not busy. So why are they not busy? What are they not doing? So um, if they do send you, what, you know, if you give them a day or two and they send you that, so they're not being too lazy. Uh, you then want to ask the same as you're asking of us, what sort of insurance, what sort of defective workmanship cover do they have? What insurance do they have behind them if something does go wrong? Because things do go wrong, okay? Mm -hmm. And a builder that doesn't have that either isn't going to put it right or doesn't believe that something will go wrong. Things go wrong. Okay, that's why we have insurance. So better to have, have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Okay, um, <laughs> that's, it's the old story. No insurance and I can tell you the builder's going to disappear with your money every time. Okay, you also want to see if possible a build site that they are currently working on, preferably over photos. 
Okay, if that's all so you've physically got, physically visit what they're doing right now. Yeah, yeah. See how they uh, how they judge a site. I mean, we we had a, a group of boys that were working on site, and they always used to stop work at four thirty. And I used to think, no, 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 you must carry on working till five. And their attitude was, no, we're stopping at four thirty. We are clearing up the site. We are sweeping the site. We're cleaning it completely. So at nine o'clock tomorrow morning, we we hit the ground running. It's not a mess. Okay, so that's little things that you'll pick up from people, how professional they are and how they operate as well. Right. Um, other things, you must agree payment terms on time and specific pay points at specific milestones. Okay, usually the builder will be able to dictate that, but it's semi-negotiable, all right? Always remember, if you're not paying that guy enough, he is going to disappear with that money and go to another job where he is being paid, and that's when the trouble starts. So you want to pay them with uh, with regularity. Some people prefer weekly. I think monthly is, depending on the size of the job, might be iffy because the people that he is paying, the young laborers, they used to being paid week by week by week. And they mm -hmm. might disappear somewhere else. So it might be a challenge. So just have that discussion. You'll get a feeling for, for the way they are. Um, you want to have documented start and timeline dates in an email. Okay, pretty much an acceptance email. And yes, of course, you can get a builder's contract as well. That's preferable. Either you can source that or I'd be leaning on him. I want to see what builder's contract he's operated with before. So you can then stipulate schedule of works, payment terms, payment amounts, and exactly what's going on. So we know, and if possible, uh, a challenge. So if there's, a, if there's an issue with time, a maybe a penalty clause as well. If they've got a penalty clause and they've given you the contract, these boys are on the ball. So that's generically, that's generically it. If you follow those rules, you're going to have seen away at least 95% of the, of the dodgy boys out there and you'll be left with the good ones. Fantastic. That, that's a very good list. And I think, you know, that's always been for investors. A lot of people stay away from refurbishment for the reason they don't know how to work with people. So is this something that a typical sourcer is able to, like you say, recommend or point in the direction of, or is that something you guys provide? Is that standard in the industry? How how does that how does that work? Because you can source me the building, but now I'm like, they, they okay, what do I do with it? Yeah, they should. Okay, let's let's uh, ask the question of what they're actually buying. So we got different levels. So if I'm sourcing you a plot of land with a potential to develop on, do I have a team to build a hundred houses? No, I don't. Okay, so you would obviously bring in your own. So that's 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 the other side of the coin. You know, if you're looking at somebody to refurbish, uh, you know, a, a twenty to thirty thousand pound refurbishment, do we have teams on hand? Yes. Now I'll be frank and honest with you. Last year, uh, ooh, about midway, about this time last year, we were project managing forty-seven individual refurbishments at one time. Uh, I, it's, it's pretty obvious we were a victim of our own success. We had a lot of deals that completed it at, uh, at the same time. And we, I'll be honest, we overpromised and underdelivered because we had so much hit us at, at one time. But we learned from that now. So instead of we are a sourcing business, we're not a development business, we're not a building business. So we were overseeing the builders from a project management perspective. And right. it was, it, 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 grew too, it grew too big for us to handle. We didn't know how to grow at, at that sort of speed. Um, but we've, we've come out of that. We've looked after a lot of investors. We dipped into our own funds to make sure that a lot of investors were looked after. So we got there eventually. Now we will look after, to be frank, a few select investors 
okay, one or two international ones, and a lot of our repeat customers, okay. For the rest, this sounds terrible. For, for the balance of the investors, we have three or four um, builders that we have worked from, worked with before, that quite frankly don't need to be project managed. They are good enough to provide that service on their own. So if you were the investor, I would say, go and speak to uh, George or Harry or what have you. There's his name, there's his contact number, and you'll deal with them. They know to, if even if you're in Hong Kong, you know, they will know to update you weekly. We have WhatsApp groups, you know, we send, we send our, or they send clients images weekly, you know, right on down to small defects, you know, color choices, etc. So they're working with you. So although we're pointing you in, the, in that direction, we cannot guarantee or warranty any of their work. All we're doing is we're saying, we've worked with these people before, you should be That's fine with them. Yeah, absolutely. It's a referral, but again, it's entirely up to you to do your due diligence on that on that person. So, so John, you know, this is a, this is a point before we wrap up here. You know, and I want to ask you this question because part of your sourcing includes the refurbishment cost to be able to identify what your return on investment is going to be. So, in that case, who prices it out? Do you have, you know, multiple people price that out? Or do you have, you know, like three builders that goes, okay, you know, this is how much it's going to cost. This is how much it's going to cost. And then, or do you pick the average? What do you do to ensure that your accuracy of the refurbishment cost is plugged in correctly alongside with all the other costs to ensure that the return on investment is most accurate? Okay. There's two, there's two or three steps in that phase. That's a, that's a great question. So initially, um, our sourcing agents, so we have team of sourcing agents that work with us. So they will have the experience to know pretty much from site seen, not site unseen, what a refurbishment is going to cost. Through experience, we've done a few hundred. On those that are brand new that are working with us, we will double check their numbers and just make sure that we are as close to what it can be. Okay, that's that's the first thing. The second thing is the the clients will pay a deposit on the property. Okay, and that just takes it off the market for them. They then have a week to do their own due diligence to have a look from a high level where, you know, based on the numbers, potentially speaking to the vendor or the estate agent, what sort of works are required. That's the next phase. The phase after that is we strongly recommend getting a building survey done on the property. Because a lot of the properties that we are, you know, they might be 100 years old, 120 years old. You have no idea what sort of nasties are lurking behind the, the wallpaper or underneath the floorboards or et cetera. And it often happens when you peel back the floorboards, you find all sorts of nasty surprises. Now, an estate agent, the owner won't know about it. The estate agent won't know about it. The, the sourcing agent unlikely will know about it. The surveyor has to know about it because they're providing, providing that survey potentially either to the client and or to the funder who's the bank. So they want to de-risk it from that perspective. Off the back of that, you would then have the potential, if they find a surprise, all of a sudden they find, oh, the, the floorboards are rotted and we've got to replace those. If those weren't costed into the initial refurbishment, okay, you then have the opportunity to renegotiate with the seller based on site on scene. So you have a mm -hmm. look at it from that, from that perspective. Also, because it is just a, a deposit, um, if we find something that is untoward or all of a sudden financially it becomes not as initially described and it does happen, we will pay you your deposit back again. 
Right. So we make sure that before you complete on that, you have done all and as much as possible to understand what those costs are. You can also, off the back of that, get a second or third opinion from a local builder to give an understanding of what those what those numbers are going to be, you know, from a right. perspective. So there's, there's, a, there's a couple of different steps there. But at the same time, you, you, we emphasize as investors that definitely every investor has to stand on their own to be able to evaluate a deal, at least to understand Absolutely. their due diligence and have done the work unless, you know, if they choose to waive that, that's their decision. But we always yeah. recommend, you know, understand what you're doing, know what you're doing, you know, evaluate what you're doing. Um, that's the best way to be able to offset it's, your risk. It's, it's, the, it's the known unknowns that you need to factor into every single property transaction, no matter how clean it is. And this is one of the reasons why, frankly, we cannot be uh, FCA regulated because we cannot guarantee a return because there are always these factors that can come into play. Look, I might be saying this, I don't want to be scaring off any investors, but I'm just trying to be real about what happens Absolutely. here. I mean, we've done 150 odd transactions. Can I say that every, uh, can I say that all of them or any of them were 100% smooth sailing? I'd say it's a, a small percentage, but that's why it's risk and return, you know, uh, but we do factor in, we do do built in uh, buffers. We do build in sometimes 10 or 20% buffers. Uh, you know, that's why we do all the due diligence. We make sure what we think the properties are going to be worth in the end. But again, even though we're doing that as your eyes and ears, we're presenting you with everything that we have seen. You need to do your due diligence to affirm your decision to buy that property. Fantastic. John, it was a wealth of knowledge there you've given us. And as a matter of fact, I really appreciate the, the level of depth that you've provided because people need to know that, you know, there, nobody cares about your money more than yourself, right? I mean, there's a lot of people who really can go do the work for you, make it all turnkey, make it all rosy. But at the end of the day, we as investors have to put in our time, our work to understand the deals that we're getting into. So, John, how can people get a hold of you? And if they wanted to be investing in turnkey property in the UK, so how, how can they get a hold of you and what can they expect? Very, very, very simple. Uh, we all know about the interwebs, internet. <laughs> Go to sourcemyproperty.com. S-O-U-R-C-E, myproperty.com. I'm sure you'll put it up in the, in the yep, blurb. Uh, I will. Anyway, if you have a look on there, you have an option to view a lot of the deals that we've done. See uh, a, a bit of a bio of myself and my business partner, Roger Burrows. Have a look at where the properties are. But also, very importantly, on the first time that you go to that page, you will have a subscribe option. And it's the old story. Just pop in your email address there. My VA, my assistant, will get hold of you. We'll start finding out more details about what you're specifically looking for. Uh, and that sits in our database. Uh, depending on where you are and when you're willing to buy, I'll get hold of you. We'll have a discussion and it pretty much flows from there. Fantastic. Well, that's great, John. Thank you so much for your wealth of knowledge. Um, you know, I think for a lot of investors globally wanting to you know get involved in properties all around the world like i have you know sourcing agents and you know relationships people that can save us time to be able to do the due diligence for us or part of the due diligence for us is very vital for us to go save time and build a portfolio globally so um yeah. you know it, it, it's helped me tremendously grow my business i've worked with a lot of brokers a lot of agents a lot of sourcing agents all around the world to help me with my property portfolio. So John, 
thank you very much for joining us today. Is there any last tip you want to share with us? Um, no, I think I pretty much covered it. But uh, very importantly, just have a look at somebody's experience. You know, have a look at what they're doing and what they can, what they can bring to you. I mean, you can be buying property anywhere around the world. If they understand you, understand your needs, uh, they're taking their time and they understand their market well, then that's potentially somebody that you want to have a look at. If they're not properly regulated, if they don't have the right pieces of paper behind them, I wouldn't touch them with a barge ball. But the opportunities are there. These guys scour the market, or our, my team scour the market. We find the very best deals in, uh, in our area. And if you want the best deals, that's where you need to buy them. We've, we snap them up. That is our job, to snap up the best investment deals. So to all of you listening in, I, I really appreciate the time. Peter, thank you very much for your time. I love talking about this journey. Uh, I love helping people out. So find me at sourcemyproperty.com or I'm john at sourcemyproperty.com. Find me an email or John Stoker. Find me on Facebook. You'll find out everything about me there. But Peter, awesome. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, John. Guys, thank you very much for joining us on the Investorpreneur Podcast where we talk everything investing real estate. Until next time, we're going to talk more passive opportunities where we invest in real estate. So guys, let's go out there, make the best of the opportunity that we have right now. Take action. Let's go get them. So guys, have a good night. Thank you very much for joining us. Until next time.